Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the Stuff Being Podcast. We're back after a little break. Uh, coming towards the end of season one now. And is, in fact, today our final guest of season one. Ah, cute tears. Don't worry, we'll be back. Lots of exciting things on the way. Let's introduce our guest. We've got a guest today, Phil, haven't we? Absolutely correct. Got a guest with us today. We've got the Razorback Queen with us uh, today. Uh, the star of Past the Pigs, very good friend uh, of a friend, but also a friend to myself now. I well, I <laughs> like to think. Uh, Maddie, when you introduce yourself a little bit, let us know a little bit about you. Okay, hi everyone. My name's Maddie. Um, so nice to meet you, um, Maddie. Hi. So yeah, my name's Maddie. I am twenty-four years old. I live in Birmingham, um, but I was I mean I don't want to give away my address actually um but yeah I live in Birmingham um I work in PR I'm very good yeah as Dean said I, I live with his what's the connection your wife's my sister-in-law sister, your sister-in-law I live with Dean's sister-in-law so that's the connection there for those of you that don't know past the pigs um it's a game <laughs> where you throw little plastic pigs on the table and they make a score and I just had one of the best games of my life when Dean and um, his wife came to visit. So that's what that reference was to. Um, it was incredible. I was. It sweating. was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. It's it was an amazing a, comeback. It's such a bizarre game to describe, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it should plastic be fun, pigs. but it is. <laughs> I know you like you like oh you throw pigs on a table and it like adds up, but it actually is amazing. Like it's the best game ever. I love it so much. Because also you don't have to be good at it. Like in one week, like you, oh, one week I act like I play it every week. But like one time you might be, one time you might be like rubbish and score zero the whole time, and then the next time you might be amazing and win the game in one in one go. So, I just don't know how they thought of it. I, they they can't. They obviously were never just sat around the table chucking pigs, thinking this could be a good game. Like someone had to make those yeah. pigs. So, I don't know how. <laughs> But they've like evolved it so you can get like inflatable past the pigs and stuff as well. Oh, wow. now, like big, big pigs that you throw. You want to play that um, in the wind? I <laughs> know. <laughs> Maybe you would. Maybe you would get that leading jowler. Land, yeah. <laughs> Great. Wow. Um, in P- you work in PR, Maddie. What, what does yeah. that What does that mean? That's public relations. Um, and when people ask you like what is PR I don't ever know how to answer it because yeah. it's like one of those things it's, I did PR in uni and it's always a thing of like yeah no one knows what PR actually is um but <laughs> it's basically reputation management I do a bit of social media management um talking to journalists so right. the, the best way I describe it is kind of oh, it's content writing as well a lot of content writing mm. but I always find like kind of the best way to describe it is if you read a magazine um and you're flicking through articles whatever it could be or a newspaper and it, and it mentions a product and it seems to be kind of mentioning that product a lot throughout an article kind of nine times out of ten that's a, P- a PR person's written that not a journalist um so it's, it's about kind of getting your client in the news getting them known for the right reasons right. um protect, protecting them when um things might go wrong it's right. not spin that's like bad connotations of PR but it's not not all bad you know there's a lot of good can be done with it um right. so you have yeah, clients you have yeah you have clients yeah you represent yeah. them publicly exactly yeah but I mean you can yeah. work in-house you can work in-house and be the PR person through a company, a company. Right. But, but we're an agency and we have multiple clients and I work on yeah. some of those clients that sounds cool yeah. yeah. So are you, are you gen- so are you therefore quite generally skeptical of things you read in the media? Oh yeah, definitely. I, like- do you know what though? I say that, but I also am such a sucker for an advert. Like I'll get like <laughs> advertised to on Instagram and stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, we'll get that. Like, but I also know that like that's just highly targeted towards me because I know I'm gonna buy it, but I still like get sucked <laughs> in anyway. Uh, we normally kick off um Maddie with talking about something that we've changed our mind about. Mm-hmm. So I wondered if there's anything big or small, recent or many years ago, that you've changed your mind about. Okay, so I've got two things. Mm-hmm. Actually, I guess I've got three things. I'm going to add one more to that to the list because I just uh, thought of another one. Nice. So I'll tell you my, like, one that isn't that deep, that serious okay. first. Shall I start with that one first? Yeah, yeah warm us up, man. Okay, okay. So mushrooms. Uh-huh. So 
I used to be like really opposed to mushrooms and like absolutely hate them like just wouldn't go near them I'd be mm-hmm. able to sniff one out if one was in my meal and I'd immediately like pick it out of my food um but recently me and Shimi went for food and she ordered like these garlic mushrooms went for tapas and I tried one and it was actually very very nice um wow. so there we go I changed my mind on mushrooms I mean I don't think I'd like I don't think I'd choose to cook with them still like I wouldn't go that far but if they were in a, a meal I might I might not pick them out of my food mm. I just say how weird this is because uh for dinner just now I had some pasta tortellini seeing as you asked and I fried some mushrooms with them and it's the first time I've ever cooked mushrooms for myself oh my god I've never I've never had a desire to eat them and I literally just fried them in some butter just now nice brown color and I it's bizarre Beth and Adam raw she likes them raw um I, thought, I just thought fine I'll fire some up and add it and this oh is a change God. of mind I can get behind because when people say they don't like mushrooms, I just I I'm like, what do you mean? They just they just don't really taste of much. I'm like, how it's like I don't like the taste of water. And it's like, what are you even talking about? They're just see, I, just I think when people say they don't when people say they don't like the taste of water, I think they don't like the taste of their own mouth. Because <laughs> that's what water is, really, isn't it? You might be onto something there, Maddie. Yeah. That's yeah. All right, so mushrooms have changed. Nice. Yeah, approved. yeah. That's like my nice easy one, mm-hmm. fluffy one. Yeah. Nice. Okay, do you want my, do you want my deep one? Okay, yeah, I've got two deep ones. Great. Okay, so the first one, I don't really know how to describe this, but I used to be very like social media, like what I see on social media is truth, like very much like if I see a tweet, like that is truth mainly if it like agreed with what I believed in like I was very much part of that echo chamber like world I don't know if that makes any sense yeah um but recently I started to like really start to question things I see on social media (laughs) which everyone should do and I've just started to realize that actually like issues also aren't that deep so if something's really important on social media people are like oh my god this is outrageous like Mm. we actually like are in the real world like no one cares so that's something I've kind of changed my mind on recently that I've kind of started to think like actually no one actually cares about this like this actually in the whole scheme of things like this issue isn't actually that important and there's bigger issues to worry about. Great. Is there a maybe an issue or a tweet you saw that kind of started you thinking this isn't the real world as it's being represented at least? I don't know if there's anything specifically. I'm trying to think now, but I don't, I don't think there's anything specifically. I think it was more just like maybe a few things I'd seen. So for example, I'm trying to think of like an example of something I might have seen. So maybe like feminism, for example, we all know that's like an issue and that's something like I'm passionate about. And on Twitter, people might say, I'm trying to think of, it's almost like making a bigger issue out of something small when there's actually bigger issues going on, if you know what I mean. So for example, like the pay gap's like a really important issue or like there's like women in other countries that still can't, still don't know how to drive or still aren't allowed to drive, sorry. Things like that, mm. which I think are real big issues. Yeah. And then there's like things that I think people make a big fuss about on social media that perhaps like in the real world, like it's not that deep. Do you know? That, yeah. 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 They say they, they, the problems conflated on social media because so many people yeah. are involved. Yeah. And it's... Yeah, and and I previously would probably be like, yeah, like this is outrageous, like how dare this happen, blah blah blah. Yeah. Whereas now I kind of take a step back and be like, it's not that deep, like in, yeah. no one cares in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference, isn't there, between people's priority list when they're behind their phone compared to what actually happens, like on the street or in your mm. place of work. I think that's a good example. The drive-in one is a good example because that's such a massive problem that some yeah. women in the world cannot, they're not allowed to drive. And mm-hmm. then, but when you say feminism or the word feminist, like the immediate thing I think about, if I'm being honest, is people going nuts on social media because someone has made what is deemed to be like a, a sexist. Here's a good example, right? Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here and this is bad, but when yeah. people say <laughs> to your woman something like, oh, are you all right, love? It's like, oh, my, you pig. You <laughs> yeah. Love. And it's like, okay, fine. You wouldn't call yeah. a man love. Although I'm thinking of trying that to see how it goes down, just to see if I can, you know, 
get a bit of a quality. I, I feel like you'd be able to get mates. away with it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you do it. I start calling people love, my mates, like my male mates. But it's like, all right, fine. Like say, in some places, women can't drive or they're yeah. told what they can or can't wear and things like that in a, you know, in an oppressive way. Big difference between the, the importance of those things. I yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with what you're saying, to be honest. And I think like, kind of making a big issue out of those smaller things perhaps minimizes the mm, it does it and can then put, people yeah cool and then people are like oh feminine apathies and all of this it's like actually yeah. no like that's not what feminism yeah. is about it can put people yeah. off the bigger more important issue yeah for mm-hmm. sure yeah it, that's yeah because i can't remember i read this but i'm a lot of women i can't remember the number which would be nice if i could but a lot of women don't want to identify with the feminist movement because they mm-hmm. associate it with people saying oh those sorts of kind of people get really angry about a comment that even if you think it might have sexist roots isn't meant in like an oppressive or nasty way like people associate the word feminism or the feminist movement with that more it seems at the moment which isn't helpful because mm-hmm. i thought and i'm sure feminism is you know it's about women are just as decent and as capable and as kind of strong in various ways as men like because that's kind of I thought where it was going but if it starts to become policing language on what some people think is okay when it's kind of a grey area people move away from it and then you can't really champion the cause of true feminism properly could you I guess yeah Yeah, I feel like it just ended up alienating people um rather than um recruiting people to the cause I guess I think I've experienced a similar thing in my change of mind with with social media because you do kind of I think when you have conversations with people about certain issues, like feminism might be an example or anything that's kind of going on in the news and people in the real world at work, like, oh, I didn't know that. You think, oh, mm. everyone's really angry about it on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, yeah, that's Twitter. I think, oh, yeah, that's not real. And, real. and Twitter is it's a huge echo chamber as well. Like, mm. so, for example, when, like, the election is happening, like, I know my Twitter, I'm like, Labour are going to win because no one is talking about the Conservatives do you know what I mean like that is my Twitter like everyone's like hates the Tories blah 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 and then they don't win I'm like what the hell like how (laughs) yeah (laughs) no do you know what I mean so that like my echo like that's what I've kind of started to learn that all social media is is um yourself projected up back at you almost um what you believe that's a good line that's very true (laughs) that's a good line and with um the one time I remember seeing how fake or kind of how non-reflective of reality Twitter was, it was during the Brexit campaign, just as it was coming to an end, because everyone I spoke to in person was quite confident, like, like I'm voting leave, that's it, don't want to be leave for whatever reason. But every time I went on social media, because of probably because of, you know, who uses social media, it was, it seemed very, very much like that we um, would be voting to remain. And I remember thinking, I wouldn't be surprised if we do end up leaving based on kind of the conversation I've had in person as opposed to what mm. I'm seeing on social mm. media. And then when it was a vote to leave, and especially in my area, quite uh, quite a confident vote to leave, I guess, compared to other places in some ways, it was like, oh, right, yeah, there is a big, big gulf between what you s- it seems to be the case and what is the case, which is a good mm. thing to, to be aware of. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it varies social media platform to social media platform as well. Like if you look at Facebook, like during the whole like Black Lives Matter thing last year, my the people conversations that were happening on Facebook were very different to the conversations I was seeing on mm. um, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. What is your what about your third third thing, Maddie, that you changed? Oh yeah, the third thing, and this might be controversial. <laughs> um Great. And I want to make it very clear, like, I have stuck to the rules, like, I've been very strict, like, the whole way through. Oh, does it sound like it, Maddie? Does it sound like it could be? <laughs> but I've changed my mind on lockdown, like, I'm just so over it now. I just think, like, me- nearly everyone's vaccinated. Yes, people are still getting COVID. I'm, I'd, honestly, I'm saying this in my opinion, I literally have no fact or scientific um, basis for what I'm saying right now. <laughs> this is literally just my opinion and what I think. Mm-hmm. But I just think like we have literally got to go back to normal at some point. Like you can't keep doing this. Um, so I don't want mm. lockdown to carry on anymore. And I was very much on there like, let's try and be good. We need to be good. Mm. Don't go out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Before. What was the changing point for you there, Maddie? What has it been recent or is there like I a... think 
yeah moving back to Birmingham because I basically moved back to my mum for like the last year um during lockdowns and it's just been I think it's just kind of like I was going to move back and things are going to be open ish from Mm -hmm. June something yeah was it 21st yeah something like that and then it's just it's just been like pushed back again and it's just like all these they can't keep moving the goalposts like you can't keep doing that to people um just tired of it now and I think I've realized with things being open how much you know semi-open being able to go to the pub and see my friends being back in Birmingham being back in the office how much I've genuinely missed this kind of interaction and how like actually the last year was so shit and I just don't want to go back to that again like I've been saying to people at work because when I was at home I was in my um I like worked in my bedroom a bit because a few of us back at home um so for like a couple of months I was in my bedroom sleeping and working probably 22 out of 24 hours a day because mm. I'd probably leave my room you know lunch or whatever and then go mm. for a walk in the evening but realistically I was in that one room working all day and then sleeping mm. and I just I, I think back I was like how the hell did I actually do that like mm. I can't can't do it again <laughs> yeah yeah i do think the uh repercussions of it are going to be over the next you know year or so it's going to be pretty heavy as we go back to it and we have those a lot of people have those revelations of oh hang on it's been very different for a long time yeah it's been very hard there is i mean a sign like i guess you know in terms of like a factual scientific basis for it but in terms of kind of the need to end lockdown the fact that so much of how you look after your mental health has been squashed by the rules we've been given, like spending 22 hours or 24 in your room or at home mm. is advice you would never give to anyone at any other time of their life. It's not good for people, but full stop, like that's not controversial. It's about, you know, weighing up the risks and benefits. And it does feel increasingly how the, I think the, the public will to kind of hold the government to account is kind of, faded off in a sense they have kept moving the goalposts as you said with very little justification for doing it mm. and they've absolutely this the the country has been absolutely destroyed economically uh, socially culturally in lots of ways and i can't understand for the life of me how it's carrying on i don't understand how there's another four weeks that we've got to go through and yeah. it's hard to it's hard to talk about that collapsing this into the news because of what's happening this week. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, should we use that as a segue? Great, the news. Yes, that's a good segue, isn't it, into the news? Um, uh, what should we bring up first? I guess we talk about Matt Hancock uh, resigning. If you can call it resigning. Okay. I'll kick us off then with my first thoughts when I first saw it, you know, the picture. What are they calling it? The clutch. Is it a clutch? Was it a grasp? Oh I can't remember. They gave, they gave it a name. Clinch? Was it Clinch? I don't know what they used. It was something they along those lines. I thought it doesn't seem to match what's going on. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't just say the adultery. Just call it what it is. <laughs> yeah, and it's in, that was my most interesting thing was that the, you know shock, I mean? the shock and horror. The shock and horror wasn't about that. It was about the fact that he had broken the COVID rules. I know, but, literally. <laughs> I feel that's a bit of a change in in society that it was oh my goodness this is during the covid rules he's broken them and he made them um very interesting yeah i think part of the reason i was like go away lockdown is because <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's me trying not to swear <laughs> um is because you know you see them just like blatantly not caring about the rules at all if you think if you don't care yeah i think all of them and they in general anyway in that little Westminster bubble they don't care about any rules mm. Covid or anything anyway but that's, that's a whole nother yeah. topic. But that's the thing if they're, if they're a group of people who actually have quite a lot of access to the current science and the current numbers and they are making choices that are not following the rules it does make you think are these mm. rules essential and necessary at this time? What's infuriating to me is there seems to be like the public space and the public sphere where people feel the need to be doing things or saying things about COVID. And then there's the privacy about what people are actually doing. And it's not just public officials, obviously, this applies to. I think this is true of a lot of people in the office or on Zoom when they're on work calls or with certain people they and in the shop. 
people feel the need to be wearing masks and doing things, not because they don't take it seriously, but because there is a social pressure attached to it. And then privately, I think there is, if I'm honest, I think there's another element of people thinking this is out of proportion, what we're being asked to do. So when you see the very same people who've stood there all this time and shut the country down and destroyed people's lives, and this might sound cold, but it's true, have massively impacted people's I don't, want, I don't know what the best way to phrase this is. People, they've made a choice at a certain junction that certain people were not going to be receiving health treatment anymore in the same way that they would because of what they wanted to pursue with COVID. They have made a decision about what is available to people in terms of their physical and mental health based on what they have been putting across as the risk associated with COVID. That's not to say there isn't a risk associated with COVID, but they have made a decision based on that so then to find out that these very same people have been having affairs and cheating on their wives and their family at the same time they are preventing people from going to funerals or the same time they've been preventing people from going into hospitals with family members who are suffering it makes me feel physically sick and the fact what really got me going was it took him hours to get out in his garden to stand in front of the hedge to talk about sacrifice. Start off, mate. Sit down. I couldn't believe it took him so long to resign. And coming back to what you said initially, Ben, I'm trying to relax a little bit. I'm glad we're on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that um, is fascinating within all of this is, is the adultery angle, because it is heartbreaking that he's done this to his family and his poor wife, people mm. waiting for her to go to work to take pictures yeah of i don't her. agree with that at all it's it's just heartbreaking but it's kind of one of those things of people have kind of skated over that but the, the adultery is obviously within this discussion because of um, the social distancing rules it's such a mess and it's such a shame and i just think coming back to what you've changed your mind on maddie this has to be the end of lockdown as far as i see it, it might sound a bit dramatic but for me i just think if the health secretary who's been overseeing this based on like we used to Ben, all the science he's got in front of him, if he has taken it so seriously and his aid that they've been doing what they've been doing, how, how can you tell me, for instance, or anybody else, you can't come into the hospital if something's happening with a family exactly. member? Mm. Just go away, please. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And there's like videos going around on social media of, um, you know, like people at funerals. There's like this one video of um, somebody comforting their mum, all socially distanced at a funeral, and somebody com comforting a family member, and then somebody working at the funeral, I don't know what they're called, um, like comes over and separates them. And you just think, like, that a funeral, like, I don't know. I just, I think, don't get me wrong from the beginning, I, I understand why it happened and why it needed to be done. And to be honest, I think um, it should have been done sooner. We should have been locked down sooner. So it didn't even get to this point. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we shouldn't have had planes coming in and out of the country for, for months on end. Like that, should, we should have been yeah. on an island. There's no reason for us to have done that. Like Australia and New Zealand at the moment. Um, so, you know, and I just think like, you know, so many of us are vaccinated now as well. You know, yeah. I think... If my memory serves me correctly, and it's not something I've read that's fake news, deaths are down. I know the Delta variant's like a, a risk, but, death, Massively. but deaths are down. And that's the most important thing. Like people get the flu, people get cold, people get ill all the time. And people, it's just, COVID is just going to be another thing that people get. But hopefully people don't die from it. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, yeah this is the thing. If, you've, what, if you want a vaccine, you've had one by now or should, you know, should have. And if you haven't, then sorry about that. Over half of the adults in the country have had their first dose, at least. It's one thing they've done very well, the vaccination mm. kind of rollout. Yeah. So when, so why has the lockdown things been extended? Why is it still a requirement to wear masks? Because I'm not, a, I, I don't know the signs, but I, I was under the assumption that if you had the vaccine, it lowered the risk to a point that we could start doing things like, and isn't there like a limit on, isn't it like three months or something where it's not, or 12 or something where it's not as effective or something after a certain point if you've had it? I don't really know. Obviously, from what I'm saying, it's, I don't really know all the details. So maybe I shouldn't say anything. But it does just kind of feel like you've had a year, we've had after the six weeks to flatten the curve. Do you remember that? And the yeah. four weeks to save Christmas. Yeah. And then you're going to have this and that and the other. 
all of the stuff has been done. Like the deaths are down, thank thankfully. Um, that is a blessing. The vaccination has been rolled out to, to most of the country now. What are we still waiting for? I know. And I think you can't like can't keep dangling the carrot for people and saying, like, oh no, it's things are open. Especially like you said earlier, like the economic impact, you know, the hospitality industry, um, the arts, theatres, etc., have just been kind of destroyed by this. So The the untold suffering this will like it will inevitably cause through things such as people losing jobs, not being able to pay taxes, because the whole health system runs on a certain amount of people being able to go and work and produce so that they can pay for people to have treatment. The knock on effect of taking so many people out of work and then them having to receive stuff from the government because of what the government has decided to do. You can't we will never be able to trace how damaging this has been and the impact that it will have. But yeah, it's interesting because this week especially, COVID is linked to everything because this is how boring I am now, coming on to another piece of news, which is, is should be happy, but I can't quite bring myself to celebrate as much as I otherwise would, is the Euros. If this links the two bits of news. What about, okay. right, what about Boris? If we get to the final, just, that's it, all rules gone. Exactly. Good deal, right? Get to the final, no rules. Is that what? Now, is the, are you talking about the fact that they're going to let all they're going to waive all the rules for the final in order to but no, keep the final in Wembley? Is, if we do the final, if we get to the final, you just stop every rule. Like it's ten days early, no restrictions anymore. But, oh, because there is a, there was rumbling underneath the surface this story that they're going to take the final. UEFA are going to take the final away yes. from Wembley they if they didn't the waive thing. the rules or something. Yeah, which is insane. If they agree to that, oh my goodness, please. I love football, but please make it stop. Is that what you mean? Or is this, or you're just saying as a suggestion? I think this is my suggestion that the, it would be good for the national, national uh, mind. The morale. You're very confident. Yeah. yeah I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm, I was confident before we beat Germany. I'm not on the bandwagon. I was, <laughs> I was driving, I was driving the wagon. People are joining me. But yeah, wouldn't be the first time, <laughs> you know, nightclubs open after the final. That would be good. This, this is the one thing that so I don't actually go out that much. But one thing I'm like, I do wish I could stay out a bit longer because it's like mm. we went out to like a pub and it was like 12 o'clock. And they're like the security guard was coming like, you guys booked your taxi. We're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kilroy. <laughs> I know, but obviously, like they have to close and stuff. But like that's the I one thing I miss that. is like being able to go somewhere after and have a dance. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know that. Yeah. I think is there a curfew time for pubs or something? I don't. I don't know. I think it's the time they were closing. I don't know. If there's an actual curfew. I'm not up to date with the rules, to be honest with you. I reckon. I reckon he wanted an early night. That's what it is, Maddie. Yeah. Went, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Covid rules. Got to close. Yeah. Something. Yeah, the thing, exactly. it, I missed. I I don't even. This might come as a surprise to you guys. Now. I don't really go out clubbing all that often, but I'd be up for it if we were allowed now. Mm. I'd go and let's you know go and do it. But what I'm finding, and not this is what really bugged me the other day, right, with the football and all this conversation is, I'm sure now I might it might they might be playing this through speakers, but it looked and sounded to me like people in the crowd were singing, "Football's coming home." It's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming repeatedly, right? Mm-hmm. Without any masks on, very close to each other, in a stadium yeah. full of thousands of people. And I could see Rio Ferdinand and the rest jumping and celebrating and screaming. And I was just thinking, hang on a sec, like as exciting as this all is, and don't get me wrong, this is the most England beating Germany in a football game. Is It goes, in terms of historically important events, the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, <laughs> <laughs> the invention of the wheel and then yeah. England beating Germany in a round of 16 at Euro 2020 slash 21. I right? feel like you got the order wrong there. I feel like the wheel came before Jesus. For my personal historical moments, I've got Jesus first, then I've got the wheel, right? Okay. And then okay. I've got so England. Ranking. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it's okay, Mandy. No, it's all right. Yeah, yes. Yeah, historical order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it does just feel a bit like it's all so the news literally i think the other day on tv we went from that it's coming home however many thousand people to the news explaining how lockdown's been extended for a few weeks yeah which so th- let me add yeah this is the one thing that does annoy me with football is that the rules are just out the window if you football. this isn't, isn't just covid this is just life in general like 
don't get me wrong, yes, I was buzzing. We got to go home early because the football match was on. But like, no, there's no other thing like in the country that I think you'd get to do that for. Correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe like I don't even think like the Olympics, like. No, maybe the Olympics. They've got they're they're having fans, but um, the rules are you're not allowed to shout or speak loudly. So, so (laughs) like you know, and you look at them in Wembley and stuff, going mad. You look at all these videos. I actually love the videos of like the fans going crazy and like throwing drinks on each other and stuff. But it's like, if this was this is where my little feminist person comes (laughs) in. If this was like a sport that women enjoyed and a sport that women loved, there's no way on earth sport. this this would be allowed. It's because it's a man's sport that it's allowed to happen like this. Football is not a man's sport, Maddie. Oh, it is. I can't sport. believe you've oh said that, goodness. Maddie. It is. Oh. Girls can play football too. Have you of course the they places? can. Of course they can. <laughs> of, co- of course, women can play, but it's a male-dominated sport and oh. supported by men predominantly. Yeah. It's like even pre-COVID, I remember one time me, me and she went to the pub just for like food and there's like men, it's like before a football match and there's like men chanting and stuff, you're trying to eat your food. It's like, if this is like women singing songs really loudly about like, I don't know, I'm going to be very stereotypical, like One Direction or something. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, it's something like women really enjoy. It, they'd be like told to shut up and get out, but because it was men chanting yeah. about football, it's allowed. Um, and I just feel like the same rules apply for like the World Cup and I know obviously I've said my thoughts earlier on lockdown anyway but it's just one of those things I'm like just because it's football it's allowed and like all these protests like all these big crowds of football fans doing whatever they want in the streets and then you know people that like to protest you might be onto something Maddie it is interesting how football does get its own pass it does make me think if people had well no if it's if people have put their foot down initially and said to the government uh, no we're not doing it anymore I think we'd have been all right well um my dad he spoke to the government and he said the one thing the government are most scared of like the biggest threat to government um like the, literally the biggest threat is public disorder and public just mm. saying actually no I'm not yeah. going to listen to you because that would literally if you if think Can't about it right it. now we are literally we just go along with it because we're told to go along with it but like mm. If we all just, if everyone as a collective just said no, and we just actually did what we wanted, we stopped paying for things, we just got on a flight and went to wherever we wanted. We, um, what else could you do? It's illegal, obviously. There's horrible things you could do, but like if you just did, like yeah. <laughs> if people just did what they wanted, they they and they're like, no, stop, listen to me, and everyone just went no. Like that would actually mm. be yeah. the biggest threat to them because they'd completely lose it. So, yeah, interesting. It's a bit like that in the no, classroom. No, it's like that in the classroom, isn't it? Like you take, uh, you give the kids a rule, and you're like, "Well, you don't do this," and then one of them goes, "Well, why not?" And you're thinking, "Well, yeah. actually, it doesn't actually matter." But if you all do that, it's going to be chaos. I just need you to listen to me and do what I said because it's for yeah. the it's for the That's for so the whole. True. It's better for you as a whole if you just do this silly little rule. So, so oh, I don't like know. on a like little smaller scale, yeah. yeah. And and you know we're told so if you think like about a classroom, then we're kind of in like from such an early age we're kind of programmed to do as we're told from literally the age of like what mm-hmm. age do you go to nursery mm-hmm. at two even yeah. younger <laughs> yeah. i would actually hate that though <laughs> i would hate the chaos so much <laughs> i i would love it would be it would bring me so much joy if the only one of the main silver linings potentially from covid is if people just start realizing actually the government is just a group of people make up rules yeah and sometimes they're justifiable and you can understand why for everyone's sake they need to be followed. And sometimes you can just fob them off because they are just a group of people. And even though you've got to respect it to a certain extent, and I do think that as a Christian, you have to do that. It doesn't mean that all the rules are, are good to follow. And I think a lot of these COVID rules, actually a lot more harm will come through us just kind of going along with them. But there yeah, we go. I think... Um... The thing I, I frustrates me is that they're all very clearly just playing a game and it's like actually people are voting to put them in power but for them it's just a game almost like oh like one so this is the one thing with the Matt Hancock thing sorry I feel like we're going back to Matt Hancock when we move on to the Euro no, it's sorry. Fine. um but why who leaked that video you know how did that get leaked there's clearly I don't know if, is Dominic Cummings behind it you know like well, how did that get leaked what that there's clearly a big security breach there yeah. Um, and to yeah, me that's them playing that. games it's positioning things in certain ways 
And I think another part of the problem is that half of them don't realise that that they are playing the game and they think it's mm. they're just kind of caught up in it as if it's real life. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. Yeah, like as I said, my dad used to work for the government um as a civil servant and he said that that Westminster bubble, like they just don't they, it is literally a bubble. It's like a little village in itself, just that Westminster door. Mm. And they almost can't like you know, you've got London as well as you know, they're so mm. London centric anyway. Yeah. But even within that, you've got the Westminster thing where they just think the Bureau of Landlords there and they don't understand, you know, or they don't think about the whole country almost. That's me yeah. really generalizing what my dad said, and obviously that's his personal opinion as well. But yeah, I don't want him to get in trouble. <laughs> it's interesting though, isn't it? Because the entry fee to that bubble to mm. so being an MP, but especially, you know, especially in kind of the high reaches, maybe in the, on the front benches of either party. The, the entry fee is people's votes. That's, you know, that's how they kind of pay for their entry. So they've got to give enough for people to think they're representing them. But ultimately, they are just people hankering after their own political power, whether you yeah. like, you know, whether they're doing things you think you agree with or not. Like that mm-hmm. is ultimately what it is. They buy, yeah. they buy votes with offers for things. And then when it hits the fan, it's all about trying to manage how people are going to respond, not necessarily make the best decisions for people. It's all PR and when it all get, when it when it all hits the fan. Yeah. It's all PR. It really is. It's... Have you guys watched the thick of it? Yes, not for a long time. Yeah. I love the thick of it. But like you look at this, like Matt Hancock and like all that's happening there, and, and Dominic Cummings with these WhatsApp messages and stuff, and you just think like, like it's literally it could be an episode of the thick of it, like without a mm. doubt. It's a joke. Sorry. Well, I'll stop talking about that. Well. <laughs> and I'm in, I am interested, uh, if it was a Welshman, how you how you support the English, if at all. Oh yeah. In um, in this moment. Right. I have no problem. I I support the English national team. I've not got a problem with that. I would support Wales. I see myself as British more than Welsh. You know, come at me if you want, but. If England are the team we were in and Wales are out, fine, I'll support yeah. England. What 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 rubs me the wrong way? I mean, I start getting annoyed. And Gary it's Neville. <laughs> it, it's it's the excitement, right? You can't watch the game. It's like the people commentating, they've lost their minds. It's like they've gone nuts. So Sterling will pass a ball to someone. It's like two yards. Oh, my goodness. It's the summer of Sterling. Like Jordan <laughs> Henderson will save something and they'll be like, Oh, they can't get through the kingdom of Jordan. Or something <laughs> lame. And I just think, can you just commentate the game and shut up? Like, I and love then that. you go to the studio and they've got Jurgen. They've got Jurgen Klinsmann there, the poor guy. I hope they're paying him a good amount because he is there to get either to get sass if England lose, as they usually do, or for the rub on the head and kind of mock. <laughs> First time since 66. And they're all like patting each other on the back with all these fat. And it's just like, oh. So the coverage winds me up, but the team I will support. Apart from Declan Rice, I don't like Declan Rice. I've gone right off him. Why not? Well, just in the last interview he gave, right? I don't think he was, he had a few good moments, right? But I wouldn't have, I'd be looking at other options if I could, just saying on the football front. But then the interview after, all it was was him angry about, oh, nobody, they all doubt us. They're just doubters. It's, it's good to prove people wrong. I'm like, to be fair, right? Can you blame people for a little bit of the doubt? Like, it's not like England have been winning left, right and centre for 20 years, is it? Yeah, uh, yeah you, that's it. You, that's mentioned, it. <laughs> you mentioned funny funny little things they said. I saw in the Supermarket Stairs, I walked past the, the Sun's headline, right? It's like this, it's from today. 55 years of hurt never stopped us rahiming. I love oh, that. Though. It doesn't even fit. It doesn't fit in the song. I actually love the hysteria. That's the one thing I love about football is how behind it everyone gets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's funny because... I like the community aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah. And you get the kids, like the kids in the class, like little six and seven-year-olds that normally yeah. wouldn't know what's going on in football, not really interested. And they all come in, did you see England 1-2-0? Oh, so cute. We're playing the Ukraine. <laughs> Who's who's your favourite players then? Favourite players. Bukayo Saka, number one. Saka. Best player in the world. Are you not? Who do I support? Well, this isn't. I am an Arsenal fan, but I still think he's the best player in the world. Not linked. Not linked. (laughs) 
there's, there's no connection. See, I, I come from a family of Arsenal supporters. Get in. Yeah. Play, oh, I don't think he played very well against uh, against Germany. Great, and I'm a Jack Grealish fan, which is a very interesting thing. I don't think the nation's seen this, where there's a player that everyone wants to play so much, and everyone just seems to love him, and he's not getting started, and then he comes on and does really well. It's just very interesting. I don't understand why everyone loves him so much. Well, I do, I but him. it's strange. I love him because I fancy him, but I also love him. <laughs> <laughs> he looks good. For a start, his calves. Yeah, I'm going to objectify him because, you know, as a woman watching football, that's what you've got to do. <laughs> objectify the players. <laughs> they do, they, I think it was the first game we played in. There was a moment, um, there was a moment when they went to the, the uh, not the commentators, the pundits on the sideline, and they're both women. It was Alex Scott and someone else and it was very funny because the first thing they said because it was so warm was they just went oh yeah the players do look hot out there and it, and it, <laughs> <laughs> it fit the stereotype perfectly <laughs> <laughs> let's move on is there anything maddie that you uh one thing i'm gonna put it down to i think one thing that you would change could be a law, a social norm, anything. What would you change to make the world a better place? Okay, and a couple of things. Um, so, okay. To put down to one, it's hard. <laughs> um, I'll mention one and then I'll say the one thing that I really will change. The one thing that I'll mention is changing it from a five-day working week to a four-day working week. <laughs> but the, one, the, the one thing I would actually change is getting rid of landlords. I absolutely hate landlords and estate agents and I would abolish landlords and Whoa. renting. What would, you, what would you do with them? Where would they go? They're just to a pit somewhere. <laughs> they can rent from each other. <laughs> oh no. That's yeah. it. Why, Maddie? I just hate, hate it. Like, but why? Don't get me wrong, there's some things like I, I do appreciate with renting, like it's easy to move around, you're not as tied down, blah, blah, blah. But I think if landlords didn't exist anyway, those things wouldn't be an issue because everyone would just own a property and have a property. They drive up the price of housing. Um, if you look at like, you know, big cities, London and uh, Birmingham and like flats and stuff, all bought up by landlords and, it, and they may charge however much a month, which means you can't actually put money away and save for your own property. Um, I also hate landlords because they don't care about their properties. I've lived in too many places where landlords don't care about the properties that you live in and um, they don't think that you're real people and um, they don't care and it really, really winds me up. Um, like in one place, me and Jimmy lived in, we had, we didn't have a working washing machine for like months on end and they just like didn't, like wouldn't replace it or fix it. We kept asking and asking. Um, and then when we were like, look, we want to knock some money off our rent, they were like, if you don't pay your rent in full, you'll be like put on a note, or put on notice, like an eviction notice. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, just, I mean, there's multiple reasons. They're just kind of the basic ones. Just hate them. Sorry if you're a landlord. Have you, have you ever had a nice one, uh, a good one? You had a good experience? Of landlord? The, the one we live in now, this is the best experience I've had, I'd say. Good move, good um, move. <laughs> but I think that's to do with the letting agent is actually quite is actually quite decent because they actually yeah. care um, yeah. and they actually respond to our emails and say like if they can sort issues out or not. Um, so would they be yeah. safe from the pit? No. Oh, they'd still be in the pit. <laughs> yeah, they'd still be in the pit. Yeah. What happens so to like? Well, uh, um, the house can be sold to a lovely young couple that are looking for a first home. Okay. And can't okay. afford one because landlords own all the properties. See now, I this is interesting. This because I know lots of people have beef and real issues with some dodgy landlords, but I also think I, I, there is no other. I think working alternative. I kind of want more private landlords. That's what I want, guys. That's the opposite. I'm go that's the opposite, and I want the government involved less in housing. And I think one of the real problems for tenants, like so. They're going to make it very difficult for people to just go and build a house or to go and build a property and then 
you know, own it or whatever. There's so much kind of red tape that in order and bureaucracy and different permits you need to build something that you need to pump a lot of money into it in order to kind of get something built. So I kind of think if you're going to put the risk in to get something built in the hope of making money, and in the meantime, you're also providing someone with somewhere to live, I'm like, yeah, I can get on board with that. I'm sure there are things we can do to for the dodgy ones, the ones who are not fit for purpose and who let people live unfairly in unfit places. But I feel like it's a, I feel like I'm a big believer in the free market um, and in the you know in competition and all the rest. And I think it can work. I think we can come together, Mandy, and make a plan here. No, <laughs> I, I honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I've just lived I've rented since I've left home obviously you know rented in uni rented don't even get me started on student landlords That's, they can yeah. go to like a whole Different nother game. pit of yeah. pits yeah. I absolutely hate them <laughs> pit below the um, pit. yeah they're like the pit below the pit um and I just think there's just such a lack of respect from landlords for people for people that live in their properties that's what that's what winds me up the most is like the lack of respect that I feel I've been treated with as a tenant it's like and actually like even things when you actually think about it like not being allowed to have pets in your house like why do you get to have a say in that like I know they've actually they've actually recently changed the law so landlord has to give you a reasonable reason within 28 days um so I'm like hmm, okay um, yeah but I think like well, how like I live here as long as it's clean it's my furniture why are you controlling it yeah, I find the fact that governments get themselves involved with what landlords can and can't do, I find it a bit cheeky. Like, because I just think, are it's you a landlord? Time. Are you a landlord? No, oh, sorry, I thought my internet was going then. No, I'm not. No, a landlord. I'm just listening to you. <laughs> Why are you defending? I'm not a landlord. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure, guys, I am not a landlord, but um, I just like, just in terms of, I think. A lord. <laughs> someone's got to build the house and someone's got to own the house for the tenants so to live in. Be... You know, and I think. So it's one of those things of either you need to put the money up to get the house built or someone else's but, and then you can rent it from them. But my landlord didn't build this house. But the fact that they have, say, bought it from whoever and then put it on the market for people to rent at a more reasonable price means that you can live in it in a way that you wouldn't have been able to up to that point. Because I feel like it's one of those things, if we were starting the housing stuff like from this point go, it would be a very different system. But I think one of the good even with some of the problems you get with some landlords, it's kind of like the whole situation of you need your boss to have more money than you, like in order for things to work, you need someone to have the money to put the houses on the market for other people to have places to live, if that makes sense. Which it's mutually beneficial that. sort of thing. So one thing you said there that I disagree with is that it's a more reasonable price because it's not a more reasonable price. Yes, okay, the deposit, you don't have to pay that big lump sum. But if it was all like the governments and stuff, government housing, and you kind of rented from them until you could save up enough money to then buy your own property, surely that'd be better than literally, I can't afford to save for a house right now. You know, me and Shumi, if you think there's two of us, and we, our, our, the price we pay for this is more than a mortgage would be for this house. It, it would be, and I think that's the difficulty in terms of, I guess, how, how things progress over time, but... <laughs> Even though um, the mortgage would be less now, it takes the deposit to kind of get the house over the line in the first instance. I'm not saying you need people to pay money in order, um, or you don't need landlords. The, the most effective thing about them, I don't think, is the fact that they make things at a reasonable price. It's just the fact that they do help give people places to live where they, where they may need them. I do think a lot of them are overpriced, but I think a lot of the problem is that the government make it hard for other people to come in and build their own houses. So you have a smaller pool of houses to work with, which means the price goes up because there's less supply for what people want. So, and I don't think the government would be any more effective as a landlord than a person, if I'm honest. I don't trust the government. If you have, you know, housing associations, they exist already. Um, you know, you rent from kind of a bit more of a... I just want it to be more fair. I just hate the unfairness of it, I think. And after being stung, you know, it's, it's like, I hate them. And I find it all very um, a bit selfish because I think, you know, if you can afford to... I'm basically paying whoever owns this property. I'm paying their pension or I'm paying off their mortgage or I'm paying off blah, blah, blah. 
and I can't even afford to buy a house myself. That's what I find yeah. really annoying. Mm. They're on the right side of it for sure. But I think that's, but then, you know, it is that kind of, uh, it's that weird cycle, isn't it? That they have definitely, your landlord is definitely on the right side of the, the bargain without a doubt. So it's maybe unfair in that sense. But then on the flip side, there are financial incentives for you and for other people from renting. And I know it might not feel that way when, and I'm in the same boat to a certain extent in terms of the difficulty it makes in terms of saving. But over time, I'm just not, necessarily convinced to get rid of the landlords would would really truly solve the housing crisis or the problem overall like i get right. the unfairness aspect I see what you're saying. but that's it all right that makes uh, more sense to me now yeah so you're saying the pro- that there's a problem it is a pro- there is a problem but the problem isn't the idea of someone owning something and renting it to them the problem is the supply and demand which the government get involved in and make it more difficult I think, yes. So I think the government make it harder overall to have more houses. Mm -hmm. And when you've then got a shortage of houses, the price goes up, which means if you are on the renting side as opposed to the ownership side, it means that you are in this weird limbo of having to pay more for rent than you can save for your own place. But the, the price of houses always goes up as a result then. So I think it's more if the government would step out of the way and make it like just make it a bit easier for people to build houses. I think the free market over time would ensure that housing was more available at a better price. Also, I don't like seeing people in pits. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is though, like my, my grandma was a landlord. She had a house in Manchester that she rented out. So maybe I shouldn't say pits. (laughs) Manchester's <laughs> a great city <laughs> yeah oh guys well, Chester, oh. but that's a whole nother debate <laughs> next time guys there we are there we are well, we've covered a lot today thank you so much for joining us Maddie it's been a pleasure okay, thank you, thank you for having me I, I should say that I'm a massive um, podcast girl and this is the first podcast I've been on so thank you very there much there we are me. another avid listener mm. as well of course um <laughs> great to have you and you're always welcome back we'll um we'll see you soon for our very final guestless episode of um this season's stuff meeting podcast where we talk about all the stuff didn't do that at the start oh this is a fake episode you're gonna say all the stuff all the stuff there we go um all the time actually oh yeah all the time i've even got the tagline right (laughs) Anyway, right, thanks for joining, guys. See you soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye.